0: Hey guys, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Worship Waste Pack. There's not a worse feeling than being in a church service and realizing that you've come unprepared. You have Sunday morning coffee breath, no mints, and your worship leader just asked you to greet your neighbor. Introducing the Worship Waste Pack, a handy pouch for all of your worship service essentials. It comes fully stocked with testaments for unholy bad breath. A mini survival modesty cloth for emergency modesty situations. Snack rations for you and the kids if the preacher says, we're going to let the Baptist go first at the buffet. Smelling salts to keep you awake when the senior pastor is on vacation and a staff pastor is preaching. A paper church fan with a picture of Jesus praying in the garden for the traditional Pentecostal environment. 14 neon colored highlighters for special verses you want to remember. A waterproof pocket to store your used communion cup, waterproof mascara in case the spirit is really moving, and a three-inch satellite TV in case your church holds a service on Super Bowl Sunday night. But wait, there's more. The Worship Waste Pack also has enough room to store one of Charlotte's shofars, and with a handy hook hand-sewn to the outside, you have a perfect place to hang one of Tammy's tambourines. Never find yourself unprepared in church again, Order the Worship Waste Pack today. You're listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. What is up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you again today on the podcast, and I am so excited to be back with you. I'm home again after about a month of being out, and it's good to be home back to sunny South Florida. December the 3rd, it's 80 degrees outside, if that tells you anything. that's pretty much what we get all year long. It's like a hundred in the summer and 80 for the rest of the year. (laughs) So it's pretty awesome. I was on Instagram the other day looking at people already posting huge snowstorms wherever they are up north. God bless you. I pray God gives you the strength to deal with it. The snowstorms of the winter. (laughs) But it's good to be home through the Christmas holiday with my family and uh, I've got something powerful for you today This is going to I believe change your prayer life as you saw from the title And um, before we get into that, I have some exciting exciting news that I want to share with you That uh, I know will excite you and that is this coming up this Friday and then every Friday from there on my wife is launching a podcast as well as a blog that is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be called Nonstop Mom, and you guys can tune into the podcast weekly. She's going to be releasing articles on the blog, and I'll let her say more about that as we're getting ready to launch. But this coming Friday, the podcast is launching, and I want to encourage all of you that are moms who listen to this show. To uh, check it out, it's going to be available on all podcast outlets the same way this podcast is, and um, but a completely separate one. And you can search "nonstop mom" this coming Friday when it launches, and you'll be able to get all the content there. And then uh, her website with the blog is launching as well. And uh, I'm I'm so thankful for my wife. She's anointed and does such a great job. Um, I mean, she's a phenomenal wife. Yes, but also. Uh, an anointed and a godly mother, which more than ever before is so needed in this generation. And um, our kids get to benefit from having such a wonderful anointed and godly mother. And uh, it makes all the difference in the world. So she's going to be doing some great stuff covering on her podcast. Obviously, she's going to cover motherhood. She's going to cover... um, uh, homeschooling, things from home. Homeschool- so many people are writing in and asking questions regarding homeschooling, which I can understand looking at the state of public schools in America. And we pray for all of our teachers that, that are working in public schools, but it's just insane what's what's been happening around this nation in the public school system. So my wife's going to be talking about uh, homeschooling and writing about it on the blog. A lot of people que- have questions about that. Um, she's going to be talking about um, all kinds of wonderful things regarding women, things that I n- could never understand, things that I could never fathom as a man, She's going to delve deeply into them. So I want to encourage you guys to uh, this coming Friday, and we'll make more of an announcement about it as the day comes and stuff on social media. But you're not going to want to miss the non Mom podcast and blog as well. It's going to be phenomenal. Let's jump in today. I've got something that it's going to, I believe, change your prayer life. Five fatal mistakes that leave your prayers unanswered. That's the title of today's episode, five fatal mistakes that leave your prayers unanswered. And that's important because, see, one of the things we need to realize is that God wants to answer our prayers. I mean, in fact, did you know that answered prayer is the one way, or one of the ways, excuse me, that uh, God brings joy into your life? In fact, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Think about that for a minute. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So one of the ways joy is delivered to your life is through answered prayer. And I want you to know, and I want you to understand at the top of this episode today, that God wants to answer your prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. If you ever were taught anywhere throughout your life that God just wants to pick and choose which prayers that he answers and he sovereignly um, is just picking like as though he's picking out of some supernatural hat the prayers that he wants to answer, you've been taught wrong. That is not the God that we serve. He's not, you know, um, just picking and choosing which prayers he will answer and the ones that he doesn't want to, he leaves alone. Or sometimes that he purposely doesn't answer your prayers so that you'll keep pressing in harder and harder and depending more fully on him and relying on him. No, no. In fact, did you know the Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen? That means yes and so be it. Whatever God has promised, he will do. And when you pray, God wants to answer your prayers. So we need to understand that from the outset is that God has a desire. But here's the problem is that the way many people are praying are leaving their prayers unanswered because they're doing something that is stopping their prayers from being answered. And I've had a lot of people writing in uh, from the podcast that have asked, would you do more on prayer? Could you touch on prayer uh, even even more in depth? And so we're gonna do that today. And uh, these are so vital because if you don't understand that you're doing something, you can pray harder, you can pray longer, but your prayers aren't being answered because understand, understand, God has parameters. See, this is something that I think it's almost lost in our generation that people don't understand that God's word is the parameter that he has set for how he will function with his children and with mankind. If you're not doing it according to God's order, then God's not required to interact with you. You know, it's like if you sat down at a chess tournament. You know, and you sat on one side of the chess board and the other person sat on the other side. You know, as long as you stay within the rules of chess, you can play in that game. But if you're going to sit there and, and throw all of your pieces on your side off the board and then throw checker pieces up there, and while the other person is making chess moves, you're making checker moves, you're no longer qualified to not only win the game, you're not even qualified to play in the game. Why? Because you've gone outside the parameters of the game. The same is true. It's funny to me how many people want God to answer their prayers, but they want to do it their way. They want to live any way that they want to live. They want to say and do anything they want to do, but then expect God to respond Once again, with a supernatural assistance from heaven, it doesn't work that way. You can't swipe all of God's uh, commands off of the table and then expect Him to still respond to your prayers. You have to do it within the parameters of His written holy word. And so today I'm going to give you five things that are fatal mistakes that will leave your prayers unanswered. And it's not because that God does not want to answer your prayers. He loves you and obviously wants to answer your prayers, wants to bless you, wants to take you higher. But many times through our actions, we tie the hands of God so that although he wants to bless us, although he wants to answer our prayers, he can't because of what we're doing. So I want to jump in with that today and talk to you about these five things. If you're taking notes, please write these down and don't ever forget them because I also want to see your prayers answered. I want to see you in fullness of joy and rejoicing as God answers your prayers and shows you his power through your dedication to the kingdom. Number one, the number one fatal mistake And these are in no particular order. I'm just going to give you five. The number one fatal mistake that keeps your prayers unanswered is unfocused prayer requests. Unfocused prayer requests. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Philippians chapter four and verse six and see what the Bible says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Catch this last part, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. So unfocused prayer requests will keep answers from coming. What's an unfocused prayer request? Well, I mean, it's insane. I mean, I remember being in the when I was in high school, we had a teacher at the high school who was a science teacher, uh Mr. Paul Gripper, who attended uh, our church, our home church, and he's a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, he would open up his classroom in the high school before the first bell would ring so that when uh, kids got to school before first bell, instead of waiting in the gym uh, for for first bell so they go to classes, they could wait in his classroom and pray. We would have morning prayer every day in his classroom. And um, I can remember as I got older and and, and later in years in high school, um, I was looked to often to lead the prayers in the morning in the, um, in the classroom. And without, you know, fail, we had these sisters that would come in and I'm sure they're wonderful ladies and uh, came from an extremely, I would say, traditional religious church background where I'm sure they'd heard this said often. But they would come in every single day, and I was like, I, I got exasperated about it. But they would uh, come in, and we'd go around the group, uh, around the circle, and we'd say, "Okay, so what? Who has what prayer request?" You know, and it was, obviously it was me that had to remember every single one of these. And people would say, "Pray for my grandma; she has cancer." You know, they'd go around, go around like that. No, like without fail, every time we'd get to these sisters, they'd be like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I have," and they'd sit there and count them up in their mind. Like, um, I, I have, let's see, five, six, seven, I have seven unspoken prayer requests. And I'm sure if you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably, um, heard that term of unspoken prayer requests. I have an unspoken, keep me in prayer. I have an unspoken prayer request. That's not something you'll find in the Bible anywhere. Not anywhere. And so these sisters would be like, Yeah, I have six, seven, let me count eight, nine. Today I have nine unspoken prayer requests, and then the next sister. Yes, I have 11 unspoken prayer requests, and then the third sister. Yeah, I have four unspoken prayer requests. And it used to get me irritated because I knew it wasn't scriptural. And back then I had even less of a filter than I have now. If you can even imagine what that would be like, imagine the 16 year old me with no filter and, you know, Unbelievable. Anyway, I'd be sitting there in the classroom. I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Again with the unspoken prayer requests. It was almost like an episode of Seinfeld. Every time I come back, there was like a greater amount. Of unspoken prayer requests. And finally one day I just got exasperated and I was like, oh geez. I was like, why don't you just lump them all into one big unspoken since we're not saying what they are? Why don't you just lump it into one big unspoken prayer request? And then obviously that was a little bit um, you know, not it wasn't as delicate maybe as it should have been. However, maybe it's exactly what God wanted. Who knows? We'll never know until eternity at this point. But I actually got a chance to talk to one of the girls. And I don't know what her church background was, but I finally got a chance to talk to her. And I took the day, I I think what happened was I ended up feeling bad or maybe conviction is what it was. And the next day I came back in and began to teach on Philippians chapter four and verse six, where the Bible says, let your requests be made known to God. It's important to make actual requests to God. and Let me tell you why the unspoken prayer request does not work. It's because our prayers have to be attached to our faith because faith is the currency that allows God to interact with your life. It's the currency that you make transactions with in the supernatural realm. So God answers prayers that are prayed by faith. That's found in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Faith is the key that moves mountains and it moves moves God's heart. So the problem is when you have an unspoken prayer request, you have no way to put your faith on what you're believing for. For example, how do I know even how to pray for the thing that you're asking prayer for? What if it's not healing? What if it's, you know, what if you need financial assistance or what if you're battling something in your mind? How do I even know where to put my faith or what scriptures to stand on? How do I know to, you know, to start pulling out healing scriptures and start standing on that and putting my faith for healing out as I pray for you? If it's not even something that needs healing, maybe it's relationships that need restored. So an unspoken prayer request, which is actually an unfocused request, cannot be answered because you have to put your faith on something and you have to be able to put the word of God behind your prayers. So number one, the number one fatal mistake that causes prayers to go unanswered is unfocused prayer requests. When you start to pray, set yourself a target, set yourself a goal. What are you believing for? You know, I remember hearing Brother, Brother uh, Kenneth Hagan tell a story that when he was a pastor, he was saying that um, he, he used to do these little polls just for his own personal knowledge. And he said back then, there used to be a lot of services that would end with people coming around the altar and just praying, you know, around the altar of God at the end before they would dismiss. And he said as people would be around in his church praying at the altar, he would come down off the platform. And he'd walk around and he'd stop somebody, you know, quietly. And he'd say, hey, what are you praying about? What are you praying for? And he said, more often than not, the person would say, oh, I, I don't know, I'm just praying. He say, yeah, yeah, I know you're praying, but what are you praying for? What are you praying about? And they'd say, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. And he said that by the time he was done doing those polls in his church, he found that, A large percentage, over 70% of the people in his church, and I think it was even a greater percentage than that, but to be safe, at least 70% of people who were praying at the altar in his church didn't even know what they were praying about. And the reason he brought that up is because he wanted to make the point, if you don't know what you're praying about, and if you don't know what you're praying for, how would you ever know if you got an answer from God? How would you ever know if God answered your prayers if you don't even know what you're praying for or praying about? So focused prayer requests, focused. You have a goal. I like how my Uncle Tiff Shuttlesworth has said it many times. He said, it's it's hard to hit a target you can't see, but it's impossible to hit a target that you don't have. It's hard to hit a target you can't see. It's impossible to hit a target that you don't have. Your prayers have got to have a goal. They've got to have a target so that you can place your faith on those prayer requests and move forward to see God answering those prayers. Number two, the second fatal mistake that keeps your prayers unanswered is praying for things that are not promised in scripture. That's huge because it couples with the first mistake. And as, as you heard me say a moment ago, you have to have a goal, you know, if you have an unspoken prayer request, you know, first of all, I have no goal. I don't know how to pray. I can't put my faith on any, anything specific, but as you heard me say a moment ago, I don't even know what scriptures to stand on when I pray. And this is vital, by the way, if nobody's ever taught you that you have to pray the word of God, you've got to pray the word of God because God only honors his word, God doesn't honor anything outside of his word. He doesn't honor feelings. He doesn't honor emotions. He only honors his covenant, which is established and defined in his written word. So you've got to pray the word of God so that when you're believing for God to do something, remind him, put him in remembrance of his word. It's not because he's forgotten it. God didn't forget his word, but he needs to know that you believe his word and that you're holding him to his word. That's faith. And finding scriptures that back up what you're praying for is key. You've if you're if you're believing for healing in your body, Find scriptures in the Bible, like Exodus chapter 15, where he promised even them to, to the Israelites in the old covenant. He said, I will put none of these diseases upon you, for I am the Lord that heals you. First Peter chapter two and verse 24, the Bible says Peter wrote, by whose stripes you were healed. You can go through the Bible and find all these scriptures on healing and stand on these scriptures as you pray. Father, I thank you that your word declares that you are the God that heals me, that you will put none of these diseases upon me, that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. So standing on those scriptures, Lord, I curse the sickness and disease that's tried to attack my body in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command it to leave this body in Jesus name. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have a life giving spirit spirit living on the inside of my body, the greater one who's greater than sickness, greater than disease, greater than anxiety, greater than depression, and you begin to pray. Right there, I just listed four different scriptures in one prayer for healing. So what do you do? You find verses of scripture in the Bible that back up what you're praying for, and you pray according to those scriptures. That's why, by the way, we give prayer points out to people. And if you've ever had a hard time praying for an extended period of time, we offer prayer points. And we did one thing recently to make it one step easier for you to get a hold of these prayer points. And that is, instead of having to email um, now our, our office, we put the prayer points right on the Miracle Word app. So if you download the Miracle Word app from the App Store or from the Google Play Store, you can get the prayer points right there on the app. If you scroll to the bottom, you'll see it. It's the dark blue tab that says prayer points. Click on it and you'll have over a 100 different prayer points that you can pray with the scriptures included so that you know how to stand in faith and believe. So you've got to pray for what is promised. The second fatal mistake is people praying for what's not promised in the word. You know, It's like I heard a preacher tell a story one time. He said, that there was a man in his church that came up to him and said, "Uh, Pastor, you see that woman over there? I want you to pray and believe with me that that woman would be my wife. And the pastor said there was two major problems with his prayer request. And the major problems were that, number one, the woman already had a husband and the guy asking for prayer already had a wife. God's not going to answer that prayer. He's not going to break up two marriages to form another marriage. God's not stupid. God God would never answer that prayer. Not to mention there's no scripture that you could stand on to believe God for that to come to pass. You've got to pray for what's promised. You know one of the things that we need to realize is that the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12 Jeremiah wrote, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. I am watching over my word to perform it. God is always looking over his word. Now, you, know, you know what the Bible says? It says in Isaiah 55 and verse 11 that God's word, when it goes out of his mouth, it can never return to him empty or void but it always accomplishes the thing that he sent it to do and prospers in the thing whereunto unto he has sent it. So God's word carries performance power in every situation. That's why we use it when we pray. And that's why God's watching over it because God's word cannot be void of power. It cannot be... Um, overridden by natural circumstances or situations. God's word is the most powerful force in the universe. That's why it's the fuel and ammunition that when we pray provokes God into action because his word is his power. And we include his word anytime we're praying so that there will be performance power on our prayers, So number one, unfocused prayer requests. Number two, praying for things that are not promised in the word of God. And number three, doubt, unbelief. This is a massive problem. This is a massive problem. Um, The Bible says in James chapter one, this is so vital that you get this in regards to prayer because I do feel this might be one of the largest issues for people getting their prayers answered that I've ever seen And it's unbelief. It's doubt and unbelief. Did you know that doubt and unbelief are such powerful elements that they even stopped Jesus' ministry from working in the Bible? In Mark chapter 6, the Bible says Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown, and was trying to perform his miracle ministry there. But the Bible says he couldn't do any mighty miracles there because of the people's unbelief and all he could do was lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them and when jesus left he marveled at their unbelief it literally hindered the miracle ministry of jesus christ unbelief i wanted to find something i um i was looking uh yesterday i was searching the uh the internet on some of these some of these things because I wanted to see how people believe in regards to prayer. You know, that, that's a huge thing to me, is to see like what's going on in our nation. How do people actually believe about the subject of of prayer? And uh, as I was searching, I came across <laughs> I came across an article that kind of blew my mind. Um, people they had, she had written, this lady had written this article on Google and it was entitled how to pray in a way that God can answer, how to pray in a way that God can answer. Well, obviously that title caught my attention and, uh, I know what I believe about prayer, but I want to know what other people believe about prayer so that I can address some of the issues that are not scriptural. And this was her method of praying so that God can answer this is she She came up with this little formula and uh, I found it again here for you I want to read this to you um, this is her formula for a prayer that God can answer she said I came up with a little formula to help me in my prayers it's simply this whenever you ask for something you want and you're not totally sure if it's something God wants for you tack on the phrase but if not And then add something you're sure God would want for you. And then this is the formula she made up. My desire plus, but if not, plus a godly desire equals praying for something God can grant. And so she, (laughs) this was her example of a prayer that followed that formula. She said, for example, God, please help me get some sleep tonight, but if not, help me to have enough energy to be pleasant and hardworking all day anyway. (laughs) Because we're not sure if it's God's desire for you to get some sleep tonight. No, I mean, (laughs) this is just, I mean, for example, let me show you the problem here. The phrase, but if not, okay? That shows that number one, you're not sure. And that's a problem. It's a problem when you're not sure of what you're praying about. Let me read to you James chapter one, verses six through eight. The Bible says, but let him who, the one who's praying, but let him ask in faith without doubting, no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. See that? He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, James writes that if you have doubt and unbelief in your prayer, then you're double minded and you should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, if you were to follow that woman's prescribed formula for prayer and always add the but if not, That shows, number one, that you don't know what you're praying for, and you don't know if it's God's will in the first place. I can just tell you, I don't even have to study this, and I didn't study it yesterday, but I can tell you right now that when she said, Lord, would you please give me a good night's sleep tonight? But if not, I could just give you a scripture right off the top of my head. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 2 that God gives his beloved rest. That's what the Bible says. He gives his beloved rest. So number one, it is God's desire for you to have rest and a good night's sleep. So you don't have to say, but if not, it's his desire. And the problem with people who are praying in this generation many times, not getting their prayers answered, is that they don't know the Bible. And as a result, if you don't read the Bible, you've got no ammunition for prayer and it allows doubt to creep in. That's one of the reasons I've seen that people don't receive their healing, is they're not sure whether or not it's God's will for them to be healed. Well, if if you don't know whether or not it's God's will for you to be healed, you can't truly have faith for healing because you're always going to have doubt in your heart. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if if God wants me. Because you know why? You've got leaders that have taught things like this. Well, sometimes when this sickness is on you, sometimes when you've got these diseases on you, it's because God's testing you. It's because God's making you a stronger believer, teaching you how to rely more fully upon Him. And because they have leaders that teach that nonsense, it's crap. It's total crap. And because they teach it, you've got people that sit under them that think, well, I'm being attacked by sickness and disease. Maybe the reason is that God's testing me. Maybe he's showing me something through this. Maybe he's making me stronger as a believer through this. And they can't have full faith to believe for healing because their mind is double-minded, not single-minded. And so they can't expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's why they come up with formulas like that, but if not. So here's here would be the example for somebody praying for healing that doesn't know if it's God's will. They would pray like this. God, please heal me of this disease. Take it out of my life. But if not, use my experiences in this disease and sickness to minister to somebody else who also is battling the same thing. Let them see my strength because of you as I suffer with this sickness and disease, but I have peace in knowing that you are God through every situation. That's how they would pray. But that's not a prayer that'll yield healing, and it's not a prayer that'll yield miracles because it's a double-minded prayer. It's a prayer that includes doubt and unbelief as one of the main ingredients of the prayer. And that's why James wrote this, ask in faith. Don't doubt in your heart, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. That's James chapter one, verses six through eight. You have got to keep doubt out. And the way to do that, how do you attack doubt so that your prayers can be answered? Well, Doubt and unbelief, the cure for them is the word of God, teaching and preaching from the word of God. My father for years preached a message called the cure for unbelief. The cure for unbelief. Unbelief is horrible and it needs to be cured. Well, how do you cure it? How do you get to the place where, uh, you know, unbelief leaves your life? Well, This is interesting because as I I mentioned earlier in Mark chapter six, you have Jesus going to his hometown to produce miracles in Nazareth. And um, let me read to you starting in Mark six, verse four, Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Verse five, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on on a few sick people and heal them. Verse six, and Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Now look at the cure. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. So when Jesus encountered unbelief, he knew what the cure was teaching from the word of God. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God preached and taught. If you're in a place, as I said a moment ago, one of the reasons people believe like that is because they have improper teaching and preaching. They've got leaders that preach nonsense and as a result, their lives are filled with nonsense. Because you get what you preach and you get what you believe. So, if you're going to form a belief system around the fact that God doesn't, he's not a loving, pure, righteous, heavenly father that has good desires for his children, and that he's somehow in partnership with the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that sometimes when your body is being killed and destroyed by sickness and disease, it's God who is not the thief, but you know he's in partnership with the thief somehow, allowing your body to be destroyed and killed. No, that's not God doing that. God's not a thief. God's not stealing from you. He's not killing you. He's not destroying you. That's the devil who does that. God, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father above the Bible says in whom there is no variableness that is a King James word but it just means that God doesn't change his mind about how he feels about you now in fact I'll read it for you from the new living it says whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our father who created all the lights in the heaven and he never changes or casts a shifting shadow James 1.17, that's the New Living Translation. So understand, God doesn't send evil things to you. That's not his nature. It's not his character. It's not, his, it's not what he does. It's the devil that attacks and kills and steals and destroys. God's not in partnership with the devil. In fact, Paul taught that exact thing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, what relationship can there be between God and the devil? There is none. There's no relationship between light and darkness Paul taught. There's none. So God's not doing these things. So get those thoughts out of your mind and if you want your faith to be built, listen to preaching and teaching as you're doing right now. You're already you know, you already have an advantage over others who are not doing that because you've subscribed to this podcast and you're listening to teaching, you're listening to preaching. We've provided for you Miracle Word Radio that's in our app that goes 24 hours a day. You never have to search for what to listen to. You can just put it on and let it play. Anointed preaching and teaching that, you know, on your drive, while you're cooking dinner, while you're cleaning the house, whatever you might do, you can listen to anointed preaching and teaching. There's no more excuses as to why you don't have access to faith because faith comes by hearing. So number three, the third fatal mistake that leaves your prayers unanswered, doubt and unbelief. And the cure for doubt and unbelief is preaching and teaching of the word of God, proper doctrine being taught to you. Number four, the fourth fatal mistake. This is a big one, by the way, that keeps prayers unanswered. Now, I'll also say it's a big one, but it's also a controversial one. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But the fourth fatal mistake that leaves your prayers unanswered is sinfulness, unholiness, unrighteousness. Now, I'm not talking about uh, sinners not having their prayers answered because sinners have no covenant with God. so their prayers wouldn't be answered in the first place. The only prayer God hears from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. Sometimes we call it the sinner's prayer, but it's it's you know the prayer of salvation. That's the only prayer God hears from a sinner. They're not his child yet, and so they're not um, you know qualified for his answers. They're not entitled to his blessings. God's blessings are not for those that don't follow him. His blessings are not for those that don't serve him. They're for his children. And so I'm not talking about sinners per se. I'm talking about believers who continually allow sin to fill their life. And as they do, what ends up happening is that it affects their prayers Their prayers cannot be answered. And I'll show you that from the scripture. Even in the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 66, verses 16 through 18, look what David said. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. Verse 18, but if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord will, would not have listened. That's huge. That is huge. Unrepentant sin, sin that you allow in your life, causes God to not listen to your prayers. You say, oh, bro, that's Old Testament. Let me show you something in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who, who do right, get that, that's so important to hear this. Okay, I'm gonna point it out to you again. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Look at the last part of the verse. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Not, Not those who are evil, not those who are not serving him, not those that are unrighteous, those who do evil. You know, it's possible for someone who's saved to do something that's evil. You have a free will. You can do what you want. It's possible for somebody who is saved to commit sin. If it wasn't possible, Paul wasted a ton of time in the New Testament writing back to all those churches and encouraging them not to live in sin, to live holy, to cast sin out of their churches, to cast it out of their lives. If it's not possible for Christians to sin, then Paul wasted a lot of parchment. But it is possible. That's why we have the the doctrine or the teaching of repentance. That's why the Bible says that if, if we've committed sins, that all we have to do is pray and ask God to forgive us and he'll be faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you understand that it's possible for Christians to sin So it's interesting here that Peter says that the eyes of the Lord are over those who do right, who live righteously, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. God doesn't have to turn his face against people that aren't his. His face is already turned away from them. This is talking about people. First Peter's written to believers, not to sinners. So you understand Peter's writing here to people who serve the Lord and he's saying, continue to do right because God will watch over you and his ears will be open to your prayers. Don't fail to obey his word because then he'll turn his face against you and he doesn't hear your prayers. So you can understand very clearly. I mean, this is taught even in the Old Testament. Once again, Psalm 84 and verse 11, the Bible says that God does not withhold any good thing from people who walk uprightly. So your actions do matter. And sin can hold your prayers back from being answered. Unholy living, unrighteous living. That's so controversial in our generation because we've got this hyper grace message that's being taught throughout the world that sin no longer really has any uh, lasting effect on a believer because of the grace of Jesus Christ who when he died forgave your past, present, and future sins, and so now, I mean, it's even been taught that if you're a believer, that you have no need to repent because of the fact that your past, present, and future sins have already been forgiven through the shedding of Jesus' blood. So they have no effect on you anymore. And, and those people don't even believe you could lose your salvation by not walking you know, worthy of the calling uh, whereunto you've been called. So You know, that's a very, very dangerous teaching, this hyper grace message that teaches us that sin doesn't matter, that, you know, uh, obedience to God's word, you know, doesn't necessarily matter eternally. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that our actions, the things we do are very important, extremely important, And in fact, Jesus showed up to a church in the New Testament in the book of Revelation and told them that you don't love me like you once did. And if you don't get back on track, if you don't return to your first love, then I'll come and remove your candlestick from among the churches. Removal is what Jesus Christ said would take place. Not my grace is sufficient for you, not don't worry about your actions and your deeds. My grace has already covered your past, present, and future sins. No. He said, if you don't return and love me like you once did, return to the actions that you used to take, I'll come back here and remove you. So sinfulness is dangerous. Sinfulness is dangerous because it will keep you from having your prayers answered. And once again, I, I want to take a minute before we go on to number five today and tell you, prayer is such a vital subject in the body of Christ. It's such a massive subject, the subject of prayer. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I've done an entire online course on the subject of prayer. I would love for you to be a part of that course because understand this, if you don't understand how to pray, how are you going to ever receive the blessings of God that he set aside for you. They're already in your account in heaven. But how are you going to ever get them out and manifest them on the earth so that you can accomplish your purpose for God? That's why I want to encourage you to join Miracle Word University and check out the Answered Prayer course. Uh it's it literally it's a it's a powerful course. We have probably about 14 or 15 different videos. Uh, within the Answered Prayer course and it's it's between four and five hours of teaching um, and it's normally $69 for that online course. But for all of you that are listening to the podcast, I'm going to give you a, a discount for the Answered Prayer course if you'll go to dot com, click on the Answered Prayer course and when you go to check out type in the coupon code PODCAST and I'm gonna give you 25% off of the answered prayer course. This is vital. I answer things in the course like what are the eight types of prayer? Many people don't even know that there are different kinds of prayer and you could be praying the wrong type of prayer for, for what God's wanting from you at that point in your purpose or that point in your ministry, your calling, your life. There are eight types of prayer. We outline those in the course. We outline the supernatural benefits of prayer. Some people think it's just to have communion with God. No, there are supernatural benefits that stem from prayer. I cover the three prayers that God will not hear, period. If you didn't know that there are certain prayers God does not hear, this is for you. I deal with three prayers God does not hear. And then I also answer 12 keys, that bring answers to prayer. We're only really covering five today, but I wanna cover 12 keys that bring answers to prayer and then the hidden benefits of fasting and prayer. There's so much content in this course that I I don't have the time to teach you on a podcast episode, but this will, I'm telling you, this will bless your life for Christ in a massive way. So I wanna encourage you guys that are listening, jump over to miraclewordyou.com and click on the Answered Prayer course. And before you check out, make sure you enter that coupon code PODCAST to get 25% off of the course. All right, number five. Let's jump into this final one here. The fifth thing that is a fatal mistake that will hold you back from having your prayers answered is pride. This is huge pride. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter four, verses six through eight. The Bible says, and God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So notice here that, very interesting, that God opposes actively. Think about this for a second. This, I mean, what a picture of what God in heaven is doing. God actively resists, opposes the proud, but then gives more favor and grace to the humble. That right there destroys the thought process that grace is unmerited favor. The only time grace was unmerited favor was when God gave Jesus to the earth and extended salvation, an action he did not have to take, he was not required to take, and nobody could make him take that action. That was unmerited favor and grace. But understand that after salvation, there are other ways that you can obtain favor and obtain grace. And one of those ways is by humbling yourself. The Bible says God opposes, resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. You've got to get pride out of your life. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Notice something. Pride is the prerequisite for destruction, but humility brings Inheritance, humility brings inheritance. Do you know what the Bible says in the in the book of Matthew chapter five? It says this: that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew five five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness, humility is the key to inheritance. It's the key to greatness. I've dealt with this before on the podcast. The Bible says Moses was the meekest man in all of the earth. And the Bible says that it was Moses who became very great in the land of Egypt. Very great. How did Moses become very great? Because he was the meekest man in all of the earth. Meekness brings greatness. Pride brings destruction. And pride keeps you from having your prayers answered. The Bible says that God gives grace generously and opposes the proud, but he gives it to the humble. If you want to see the favor of God on your prayer life, if you want to see the favor of God in your family, let me tell you, humility is the key. Get pride out. Pray. I mean, literally, I do this. Ask the Lord, God, if there's any pride in my spirit, Burn it out today by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Remove pride from my life. Let me be humble. Let me be meek. And you know what true humility is? Is understanding what God said in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, where he said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God spoke that through the prophet Isaiah. And what he was trying to get us to understand is that he knows what we don't know. He has plans that are greater than our plans. He has aspirations for our lives that are greater than our aspirations. So the wise thing to do is to humble yourself and not say, God, my plans are greater than yours. No, his are greater than ours. That's why true humility obeys the word. True humility obeys praise and ask the spirit to lead you through your life by the power of God and that's what we need and I'm believing listen we're coming up at listen this is the end of the year we're getting ready to jump into a new year and we need to pray more than ever before I want to encourage you to increase your prayer time each day and as you do as you look at these five things that hold back prayers from being answered employ these Expect great things to happen because of your prayers. Expect your prayers to be answered. Expect God to answer you. Literally, as you're praying, make sure your requests, number one, are focused requests. Make sure you have scriptures to stand on from the word of God as you're praying. Make sure your doubt and unbelief has been removed from your life, that there's no sin in your life that's been not repented of, and that pride is gone from your life. As you do those five things, It opens the door for God to supernaturally answer your prayers. I want to pray for every one of you that are listening to the podcast today and ask God to give you a hunger and a desire not only to obey him, but to pray like you've never prayed before. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you now, touch every person listening to this. I pray you put a great desire in their heart to pray like they've never prayed in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a hunger for your presence, a hunger for your spirit like they've never had in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that every person listening to this podcast is leveling up in this new year. We're gonna see answers like we've never seen. We're gonna see miracles like we've never seen. We thank you, Lord, that our testimonies are already on the way in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Listen, guys, I love you so much. I want to remind you once again, don't forget, this coming Friday, my wife Carolyn's launching her podcast, Nonstop Mom, as well as the website and the blog are coming. I'll give you more information soon, but you are not going to want to miss that. Listen, jump over to Miracle Word. U, sign up for Answered Prayer. You got that coupon code, podcast, saving 25%. I love you guys. Until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.